have you ever had a supernatural experience? On this week's show, Susan Wakoma and Emma Darcy share theirs. I sort of brought up in the spiritualist church. Really? But I can't recommend it enough because you go and rather than, I don't know, having to recite a load of prayers or hymns or anything, there's a medium on for 40 minutes. So <laughs> top quality, actually. Very exciting. <laughs> Plus the best TV, film, feminism and more on Girls on Film. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hi there, I'm Anna Smith, back with another isolation pod. Yes, we're in lockdown number two here in the UK and we are with you. This week I'm speaking to two actors in interviews recorded pre-lockdown. They're both starring in Truth Seekers, which is streaming now on Amazon Prime Video. I saw a smouldering ghost. Can you help me? Something is not right. We need to find out what it is. You're just scratching the surface. There's a bigger world out there. You're in danger. These aren't just restless spirits. These are malevolent entities. Truth Seekers is an eight-episode series that follows a team of part-time paranormal investigators who film ghost sightings across the UK, sharing their adventures on an online channel. Nick Frost and Samson Kayo play investigators Gus and Elton, who are soon joined by Astrid, played by Emma Darcy, and Helen, played by Susan Wacoma. I was curious to talk to both actresses about their roles in the supernatural comedy. My first guest is actor and writer Susan Wacoma, a BAFTA breakthrough Brit whose TV credits include Chewing Gum and The Year of the Rabbit. She also played Bottom in A Midsummer Night's Dream and appeared in Phila Deloitte's all-female Donmar Warehouse productions of Henry IV and Julius Caesar. Well, Susan, welcome to Girls on Film. Hey, thank you for having me. I've been listening to lots of podcasts that you've been doing, so I know you're quite the podcast queen, aren't you? I am a little bit, especially during lockdown and stuff, because so much stuff has, you know, been online and I've always sort of danced in the podcast world, but it really did sort of go up a gear. Just even learning how to record from home, trying to make sure that your neighbours don't scream too much, things like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of an old hand at this. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. We may yet experience any of those things yes. as we go along. <laughs> um, let's start with Truth Seekers. Now, I personally, right, I love a paranormal comedy. What appealed to you about Truth Seekers? Are you also a fan of that kind of genre? Yeah, I did a supernatural show. I did a show called Crazy Head a few years ago and... I have been itching to sort of dip my toe in that realm again, just because of the amount of um, possibility for your characters. You know, you're not restricted by anything like, you know, having to stay in the mortal world, things like that. So <laughs> I've been really, really itching for that experience for a few years, actually. And then this arrived and I'm a huge fan of Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and the Cornetto trilogy. And so it was an absolute 
no brainer. And then I found out that Emma Darcy was involved and Samson Ko, who I'm, you know, I've always really admired, and lots of cool other people. So yeah, it was a no brainer for me to be involved in this. What was it like working with the people that you sort of grown up watching in films and on Spaced as well? I presume you're a fan of. <laughs> yes, Spaced was the gateway for me. <laughs> you know, I was quite young when Spaced was on, so there was a lot that went over my head but have revisited it several times and actually on my first I think it was probably my first kind of big day filming Truth Seekers it was the 20th anniversary of Spaced airing and I remember Simon came on set he wasn't shooting that day but he came on set and I was just looking at my phone somebody texted it to me and uh, I looked up and I saw Simon and Nick looking at me but having a chat so I went up to them and I because when I tend to be on my phone I tend to pull really weird faces I sort of think with my face and um, it's quite a Nigerian thing and I said oh was I pulling a funny face and this is gonna sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet but they said no 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 we were just saying how happy and how lucky we are that you've agreed to do this wow and in that moment, I just, I mean, I had to really keep a lid on it because it was these two things, like 20 years since Spaced was on and now I get to work with these guys. And it's kind of an example of just how weird that you can be like a real fan of someone's work and then they're genuinely, your colleague is strange. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. So let's move on to your character, Helen. There's lots of interesting things about her, but I'm quite interested in the fact that she's effectively agoraphobic. How did you approach that aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, I do tend to play quite a few characters who have social difficulties in terms of integrating themselves in society. And that kind of tends to be the characters that I'm drawn to. So with Helen, without revealing too much, her and Elton, played by Samson, they have quite a mysterious, quite difficult childhood history. And there was an event in their childhood which resulted in Helen, who I play, having a really tough time basically being around other people, trusting other people. And so her safe haven is the flat that she shares with Elton. But as he sort of discovers this new side of him and gets this job and it sort of ekes out some interesting curiosity about the world that Helen actually has been suppressing. I don't think it hasn't ever been there. So her sort of arc throughout the series is basically from the bedroom to poking her head outside the door without revealing anything. <laughs> Spoiler free, I love it. <laughs> and of course, like probably some people that are quite home-based, she's big on YouTube or relatively big on YouTube. Yes. What kind of research did you do for that? Oh, I mean, I d <laughs> I'm not really clued up on like YouTube was something that just passed me by. And then I was speaking to a few younger cousins and all these really big influencers like who's the one? Uh, James something. Do you know, I wouldn't know, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know, can't help you. Literally, there are going to be people listening to this going, you're an idiot, how do you not know who he is? But there's all these massive influences and the business that they make is just ridiculous. So trying to marry up someone like Helen who has such a fear of other people and doesn't want to integrate in society, but then has this YouTube persona and this channel that does really well where she does special effects makeup and all of that was really really interesting because there's no way that all those influencers and youtubers are like that 24 7 so 
I did go down a little wormhole sort of learning all the tricks of the trade like all the sort of weird edits and you know the kind of things that makes people feel like they're friends with the person when they're actually just trying to sell things but I think with (laughs) Helen it's genuinely her method of making friends and communicating with people you have no idea how tired this all makes me I was so exhausted by lunchtime I had to lay down and watch the Hobbit trilogy did you finish it this time of course I didn't didn't even make it past the Mines of Moria. So, don't you want to know how my day went? Oh my God, it's always about you, isn't it? Okay, don't tell me. You quit already. Ah, actually, I didn't. I made a new friend and he's got a YouTube channel. Oh, what, what does he call himself? What does he, call, what does he call himself? What does he call himself? I have to ask, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Do you know what I have? I absolutely have. Tell me more. I will hear no different. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. So, right, I have this thing. That sounds really ominous. I can fly. Joking. <laughs> um, I have this thing where quite a lot of people have it. It's not, I'm not special. Um, sleep paralysis. Do you get that? Oh, yeah. I have had it. Yes, very Ooh. freaky. And you have hallucinations when Ooh, you have sleep paralysis. Yeah, dude. So my family, my parents are Nigerian and my mum was obsessed with these Nollywood films, Nigerian Hollywood, Nollywood. And um, a lot of them, definitely in the 90s, would lean into like the supernatural and all of that. And I remember once my mum had like her girlfriends around and they were all watching a film and I was watching it through the door. And it was the scariest thing. This woman turned into a cat um, and she was trying to kill people. And I saw that way too young. And then my sleep paralysis started and I would constantly see things. The worst one was I used to share a bunk bed with my older brother and he was on the top bunk and I was lying in bed terrified, unable to move, but I was awake and I looked at the bottom of the bunk and I saw this head appear upside down and it had fangs and because it was upside down the blood that was trickling from the fangs was going into this head's eyes And I said really quietly to my brother, because when I get scared, I get very quiet. I said, are you looking at me from the end of the bunk? And then he popped his head around to the side of me and said, no, I'm not. I'm here. And I was like, "Okay, thank you for that information. (laughs) So I just stared at this fanged person. So, yeah, no, I'm sticking to that. That wasn't just a hallucination that's really really creepy i just saw spiders that is way scarier oh the spider <laughs> well sort of coming right into your face and coming flying through the air and coming towards you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah anyway i hope you don't get that as much now i think it happens when you're a teenager a lot yeah a lot yeah there's a lot of anxiety but no i haven't had oh gosh touch wood hang on a minute <laughs> i haven't had it in a while <laughs> good long way that last now going back to your work you've been in a few otherwise quite male-centered comedy shows like year of the rabbit what kind of conversations have you had about female characters and representation with the people who work on these shows yeah i mean with year of the rabbit we had an amazing producer called hannah at objective who from the outset was very clear and kind of like, you know, you can speak to me about anything, whether it's the process, whether it's the characters. Mm-hmm. And Andy and Kevin, the writers, I think were super, super on it and super, super open to any suggestion. And luckily, the men that I have worked with 
by and large um <laughs> definitely in recent years definitely since i think i have got more on my cv to be very plain i'm much more open to me making suggestions and giving ideas and i remember on set particularly i'd not worked with matt berry but he was great he would always turn around and say you know there's a better line than that you can come up with something your instincts are really good and just go for it and he was the same with freddie as well freddie fox because year of the rabbit was his very first television comedy and so there was just a lot of trust within that space and also particularly something like year of the rabbit where i'm a woman and i'm a black woman at that time they'd be an idiot not to ask me what do you think about this what do you think about that and i definitely feel comfortable saying stuff and i've got no qualms being deemed difficult but the way that i see it it's got to be funny it's got to be funny no matter what it is and as long as we're not laughing at anybody or punching down then I'm good to go. Yes, sometimes you don't always get it right, but I feel like I've got a good taste for it and a good sense of like when things are okay and when things aren't, you know, when things are not fair. By and large, yeah, I've not had any difficult experiences on those shows anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything we should look out for with Truth Seekers? Any moments where you felt you brought a bit of that to it yourself? You know, any bits of improv or your own comedy sensibilities? Oh, great question. I feel that, like I said before, I've played a lot of people who found integrating with society really difficult. So like in Chewing Gum, Cynthia's quite insular and stays at home and, and, and all that stuff. And Helen in a different way. So I think the main thing with Truth Seekers was going, okay, all right, I'm stepping into these shoes, which feel familiar, but how do I make that different? And actually that required the great thing that I, I think about actors who do comedy which is actually they're really good skilled dramatic actors like off the top of my head Olivia Coleman is a really great example because it's one thing being funny but you've got to be skilled and be a good actor otherwise it doesn't fly um my improv teacher used to say this at drama school don't be too concerned with being interesting just concentrate on being interested Mm. so uh I just did that (laughs) That's very good advice for lots of things, including interviewing people, I think. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, Now, let's talk a bit about Michaela Cole and chewing gum. I mean, how important do you feel that has been as, you know, an iconic thing for young women in particular? Yeah, I think it just goes without saying. It was the first sitcom in, you know, since Little Miss Jocelyn on BBC that was written by a black woman. And that wasn't even a sitcom, that was a sketch show. For me as a performer, the thing that I've always wanted to avoid is the moral responsibility that you have. And I feel like sometimes words like iconic can mean that you are not allowed to fail at something or get stuff wrong. Mm. Men are allowed to do that all the time. There's several huge film makers who create stuff that's bad and then a few years later they create stuff that's good and I feel like that should be allowed and so in the making of chewing gum I wasn't going on set and I don't think anyone else was thinking this has to be iconic and break down all barriers we just wanted to make something that was really funny and definitely I was just an actor for hire I'm there to do my job I'm there to make it as funny as possible as truthful as possible and go home and so that's definitely how it felt like it was approached and then it spiraled and became its own thing and then it got acquired and then it became an international hit which was something I didn't see coming or no one saw coming so seeing is believing with that sort of thing the fact that someone 
like me can watch something like chewing gum and go oh I believe that I can do it but I also believe in the process as well like try and fail collaborate see what works see what you want to say so I'm glad that it was iconic and has influenced so many people sort of by default as opposed to the pressure is on to prove that black people can write and be funny because that is that's too much <laughs> so what what happened i was playing ludo uh-huh. on your laptop uh-huh. and i fell asleep and when i woke up the stuff was gone ryan his name was ryan so after you lost your virginity, you started playing Ludo? Yes, but that has nothing to do with the crime committed against this household, so please don't tell Mummy. Yes, but why would you play Ludo after you lost your virginity? I lost my virginity before you, Tracy. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, OK. You can't change it, so stop being angry at me for it. Who did you admire growing up on screen? <laughs> I've spoken about this before. It's a strange choice for a girl in um, south-east London a working class family. I was obsessed with Helen Mirren for quite a while. I don't even think, no, I did watch a bit of Prime Suspect, again, way too young. Those are things went over my head. But I applied for National Youth Theatre when I was 13. And I remember looking around and trying to find out other people who'd been to National Youth Theatre and Helen Mirren was one of those people. And I became obsessed. And then I remember when she went on to win her Oscar for the Queen and all of that. There was just something that made me think, oh my God, she's having such a good time. She looks like she's having a really, really good time. I've always connected with much older women and I think that was really good I think that it was really really helpful that someone that I admired when I was a teenager was Helen Mirren because the way that I've approached my career is I'm not afraid of age and maybe that's because I do look fairly young but it's never been something that I'm like oh I've got to achieve this by this oh this other person has created this show by this age or they've done that film by that age and that's never ever been something that I've been concerned about I actually get more and more excited of like you know as long as we don't destroy the planet what am I going to be doing in my 40s what am I going to be creating in my 50s so I owe Helen Mirren winning an Oscar in her 60s 70s a lot because I thought yeah that looks more fun than some 23 year old insecure woman navigating success. I love that you said that because we like to celebrate performers of all ages on Girls on Film, both in front of and behind the camera, because they're so often invisible to studios, for example, and that really needs to change. And there's this weird thing about, you know, you get these lists, you get these. I mean, I've been on them. There was the Forbes 30 under 30 and I was on that by the skin of my teeth. I think it was 29. And you sort of think, okay, cool, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to stomp my feet. But then there's just a bit of me that's like, why under 30 like what does that mean like why can't you be a newcomer or you know just be starting out or be allowed to get new opportunities if you're older like why does it stop where's this cutoff you know I'm very lucky I've started acting when I was 17 and I have been able to amass the credits that I have because I've had time but I'm literally just getting started and so I want to encourage people women not to get 
to bog down because you know it's a big thing amongst actresses is your date of birth on imdb i'm like somebody put my date of birth on there when i was like 13 i've got no control over that and it is what it is and i'm proud of my age you know i want people to look at my cv and look at my age and go oh that's how long it takes or oh she did that at that age or oh she's just getting started with you know her writing at this age and that's exciting I know the world tells us that we should worry and that our value decreases as we get older, but we have to not believe it. Amen to that. And now, of course, I have to ask you how old you are, seeing as you're happy to talk about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's everywhere. So I did a CBBC show called Serious Jungle, which was like a conservation show, but it was effectively a reality show where they sent children off to the Malaysian jungle to build feeding platforms for orangutans. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yes. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. And so I was 13 or 14 at the time. And because that was sort of the beginning of the internet, somebody put my date of birth. So I'm 32. You're very young, dear. Don't worry. (laughs) And as you say, lots to look forward to. Yeah, it's it's, it's better and better. Let's move on to other films to wrap up. Now, is there anything that you've been watching either on TV or in the cinemas that you'd recommend, old or new? Oh, Yesterday, I went to the cinema for the first time. Oh, it felt so good. I love the cinema. I went with my friend Rebecca. We were itching to go and we went to the BFI and we saw La Haine, which I haven't seen since I was 17, I think. So it was a real experience seeing that again and seeing that on the big screen and It was amazing. It's very male-centric, but it broke my heart because I left and I said, oh, not much has changed in regards to class, in regards to the police brutality and race. And that was shocking, actually. It's quite hard to stomach, but amazing to see it on the big screen. So I've been watching that and I've been watching Pose, finally started Pose. And that is just tremendous absolutely loving it so those are my two current things that i'm watching at the moment excellent thanks for that another guest recently mentioned pose so i'm gonna have to watch it sounds yes and isn't sort of worried about like how you should tell stories on television that's what i really love about it and discovering all this new talent as well it just shows you that it's easy trans talent and non-binary talent is out there so no excuses Excellent stuff. Have you got any messages for Emma Darcy? Because she's going to be joining us shortly. Okay, so one thing, we didn't actually have many scenes together, which I was really upset about. And I did speak to James and Nat and Simon and Nick about that. But I am a big fan of Emma. I think that what they've done in this show is really subtle and brilliant. And so my message for Emma, I love you. I hope you're well. I hope you're as sane as you can possibly muster during this time and I will see you on series two, hopefully, if we get one. <laughs> Excellent. We hope so too. Susan McComer, thank you so much for joining Girls on Film and do come back again and tell us what you're up to in the future. Yes, I will. Thanks for having me. That was Susan Wakoma. My next guest is her Truth Seekers co-star, Emma Darcy. Emma appeared in the film Misbehaviour, which of course is a girls on film favourite, and she was in season two of Hannah on Prime Video. You might also recognise her from the series Wanderlust. Emma, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you so much. How are you? Really good, thank you. We've been chatting to Susan Wakoma, oh. and she says hello. 
I am totally obsessed with shoes. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. You, obviously, you guys got on well together when you were filming. Yeah, she's heaven. She's heaven. She's also so brilliant. I mean, you'll know that, but I'm really obsessed with her. I'm a big fangirl. <laughs> well, I think we are now as well. We had a great fun chatting with her, but you guys are both really good in Truth Seekers. And Susan said she hopes that she has more scenes with you if there's series two. What do you reckon? Would you like that too? Oh, my God. I feel very lucky that we were... I mean, it was not a bad uh, gender balance, but I would love to actually get to do some acting with Susan Wakoma. That would be great. It's true, though. It is good to see in what might be normally considered quite a male-skewed show two such strong female characters. What did you like about Astrid, your character? What I really like is that she has a real lust for life. Any feeling of just being kind of in the world, fully in the world, is a win for her and I think it means she gets to have a very pure experience at times especially when there's not a big ghoul right behind her and yeah I think it means that she gets to form relationships with Gus Roberts that's Nick's character and Elton John Samson K.O.'s on just a very honest and human basis there's not a lot of games with Astrid <laughs> you kind of get what you see She's a very sincere character, isn't she? And you, and you play her beautifully. Um, did you have any influences when you were preparing for the character? All I had really thought about is I, I loved Spaced. I really w- grew up watching Spaced. Me too, um, love it. Just so, so good. And I think in that show, there's like a purity to some of those characters, an openness of which they meet the world. Maybe I was thinking about that a little bit. Mm. And I guess added to that, I like the idea that she has quite a strong Gloucester accent, Astrid. And I thought it was quite nice to find this like slightly dated feeling misfit <laughs> with a strong Gloucester accent. I, yeah, felt like it had some sort of relationship with some of um, Nick and Simon's earlier work. It's me. It's, it's always been a problem of mine. It's like I've got these two opposing forces inside me my sensible side. She's polite, cooperative, always does the right thing. And then there's my reckless side. She's a rebel. She hates authority. She knows what she wants. And she'll do anything to get it. You better shape up, Daisy. You better understand. Sometimes we have to make compromises. That's such an interesting observation about them being sort of receptive and open and a slight naivety in a way to the characters in space, which is one of the reasons that you love them so much, even though it's quite an edgy humour and, and that sort of contrast is really interesting. Yeah. And Truth Seekers has a bit of that. I mean, what did you find funny about it when you read it and thought, okay, that's my kind of humour? It has a real sweetness. Mm. I think I really like humour that has sweetness with it and kindness. In reality, all of those characters, uh, all the kind of main five, I guess, in Truth Seekers, they're all emotionally haunted. They're all quite lonely. And it means that when they become quite an unlikely little family, well, I guess, A, it's a collision of really strange personalities, which is quite funny and lovely. But also there's just like a lot of need. So they're able to overcome almost all of them initially not liking one another quite quickly just because of that need so I think that was a draw for me and also the humor is really silly (laughs) and I really like stupid jokes it also has um, like space lots of references to classic films Mm -hmm. particular horrors of course such as the exorcist and invasion of the body snatchers are you a fan of those kind of films I am I am 
I mean, I'm a fan of film in general and I really like it when work has fun with reference. And I had never got to film something so spooky, to be honest. I'd never done the horror genre, really. So getting to be immersed in lots of practical effects and just, you know, running away from things. I really like doing that on a daily basis. <laughs> well, your character does bear the brunt of a lot of that, to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. What kind of incidents were there on sets? I mean, were there any kind of mishaps when you're running away? And as you say, practical effects are, you know, fraught with difficulty. I don't know. All I really remember is that I accidentally chopped the top of the boom off with the band <laughs> Uh, it was a bad day oh, no. for me, yeah. I apologised a lot because I'm quite an apologetic person. What else? Any other mishaps? No, just that some of the amazing ghost costumes, I think the brilliant actors wearing them pretty much couldn't see anything. Oh, so gosh. they did a really remarkable job given that, yeah, on top of everything, they literally couldn't see. It's quite fun that they're a lot practical rather than visual effects, which makes it feel quite old school, doesn't it, in yeah, a way? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a kind of nostalgic quality to the whole programme. In a way, I think it's what makes it really timely because I don't know about you, but I felt really drawn to more nostalgic watches recently. Yeah. Probably, I mean, (laughs) for obvious reasons, things that feel kind of familiar and nostalgic and refer to a slightly safer or more familiar world have felt really useful. But there's something in True Seekers, and I haven't quite put my finger on it yet, that feels to me kind of nostalgic. Yeah, you're right. I think it partly the connection, obviously, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. you know, and you're remembering the past. But yeah, there is an innocence and a slightly old school way about it, which taps into what we're all looking for right now. But you mentioned that you're a fan of classic horrors. Um, do you think the female characters in horror, in particular in film, have evolved in recent years? Do you think things have improved in terms of representation? That is a great question. I mean, overall, I'd be inclined to say no. I think we've still got a hell of a long way to go. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not there yet in my career, but I'm still very aware of the conversion for women actors to, like, older victim and or crone and or scary old woman. (laughs) Yeah. Having said that, oh, I've forgotten the name of it. What was that horror that Tony collected? Uh, Hereditary, hereditary. I mean, that felt like an exciting galvanisation of those tropes. And his follow-up, Midsummer with Florence Pugh was really good as well. Yes, so good. Talk about haunting. I think you're right. I think things, yeah, there are still a lot of tropes, but things are moving on in some ways. And we're seeing more women directing horrors, which is fantastic now. On to your personal experiences. Now, Susan has told us about her own paranormal experience in real life. Have you got one of those? Wow. Well, sort of. I sort of brought up in the spiritualist church. Really? But I can't recommend it enough because you go and rather than, I don't know, having to recite a load of prayers or hymns or anything, there's a medium on for 40 minutes. So (laughs) top quality, actually. Very exciting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're just there going, please come to me, please come to me. I really remember I was taken there as a kid and my sister, who's a bit younger than me, had her who was sat on the chair next to me had absolutely had enough and had was bum up in the air on her seat all curled up in a ball sort of rocking a bit and the medium went to my mum referencing my sister and said um your daughter is incredibly intuitive and I just thought what what the hell do you have to do to get a reading around <laughs> here do you know what I mean girl's got the bum up in the air oh and she's the intuitive one so they never gave you a reading 
they might have. When I was a mid-teen and I was angry at the world, I went back to the church because I wanted some answers crossly. And actually then the medium did come to me and essentially said, yeah, you can't do that. That's not how it works. And I thought, right, and I never went back. <laughs> so, yeah, I almost got my reading. So did you ever see anything that convinced you it was for real? Uh, well, it's funny, actually. This feels kind of relevant to true seekers in that it's the the dichotomy where, like, your emotional life intersects with, like, what is rational. But um, we were basically associated with the spiritualist church because of my grandma, who was a strong believer, and she passed a couple of years ago. And um, obviously, as soon as she went, I realised the real irony is that when you lose someone, regardless of what you thought about all of that stuff, as soon as you lose someone you love, you're going to be listening. And so, no, but I'm, <laughs> I have to stay listening just in case. Keep an open my grandma. mind. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, that is like a way more interesting answer than I was expecting to that question. That's absolutely fascinating. And it's kind of, as you say, really relevant to truth seekers, actually. It must have given you, did it give you a, a different perspective, do you think, that helped in your performances? I think maybe. I guess what it is, right, and, and this is so true for Astrid as well, is we're trying to understand your past and understand your family and understand where you came from feels tied up in something inexplicable and the way in which that kind of complicates both questions yeah. so I feel like that side of it was was relevant and there is a part in True Seekers kind of later on in the series where Astrid does have a big experience with a family member and yeah I guess that I found just quite moving because um <laughs> yeah it's what we all hope for isn't it Astrid the sensation uh, that you're being haunted, or Casper syndrome, as it's also known, can often be triggered um, as a response to some intense psychological trauma. Have you had any uh, traumatic events recently? Um, well, my house burnt down huh? and I saw my mum on fire. Then I was taken to a hospital, but instead of doctors, it was full of like groan-in shadows that chased me. And then I saw my mum again, only this time she was a smouldering ghost. Huh. Yes, well, I, you know, you're certainly in the right ballpark. Yeah, that, that could, could do it. That'll do it. Moving on to another Prime Video show that you were in, you did a couple of episodes of Hannah, Series 2. How was that experience for you? Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was good. I think what I learned was that I, I need to really practice my gun wielding. <laughs> right. I just I don't think I'm I'm a very slick person naturally. Um and it's as you'll know it's a very slick show. Yeah. So I I felt like often I was just I was trying to be a lot cooler than I feel I am. You know, when you're given ex instructions like, you know, just get the gun out of the box, you know, just load the magazine, blah 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 and my brain's actually going, okay, so you get the gun, get that magazine, where does that go? Yeah, so so I <laughs> I felt a bit like I was uh chasing some spy dream but it was a joy to do I think we just about got away with it I was put in a very smart suit and I think that did a lot of work <laughs> so gun skills isn't like top of your CV but you're working on it <laughs> no yeah. not yet but I am working on it Anna I yeah am. I'm sure I look forward to more gun wielding what else have you got going on coming up I know obviously it's a, a strange time for filming or not filming yes no no it is um well I'm just about to start shooting on a production of Mothering Sunday 
the Graham Swift novel has been adapted by the brilliant Alice Birch. Great. So yeah, I start shooting on that next week. She's lovely. Again, a really big change doing some period work, which I'm really excited about. What kind of ambitions do you have in terms of genre? Are you keen to do everything? Yeah, that's a lovely way to clarify. Are you keen to do everything? Yes, I think I am keen to do everything. Um, I feel very lucky. I mean, not only the script for this film, Mothering Sunday, is just exquisite and I couldn't be more excited to be doing it. And I feel very touched to be working on it because my appearance, my presentation is not quote unquote girl in the traditional sense. And to be cast in a sort of traditionally femme role is just a real privilege and for them to go like no we we know we can put a wig on that <laughs> uh, and we will and so I feel really lucky to be doing it because that isn't always a given I think in this industry so yeah so I am keen to do everything and I guess we'll see what happens with the situation going forward yeah well we'll be watching your work we'd also like to talk about other people's work in terms of what you've been watching lately whether at home or whether you've made it to the cinema has there been anything that you've enjoyed hmm. I was working through the Coen Brothers back catalogue. Nice. Mid-lockdown, um, going right back to the beginning. God, Frances McDormand is so good. Oh, isn't she amazing? I just will watch anything she ever does. I just think she is phenomenal. Yeah, so I was um, working back through them. True Blood is so good. I've started watching The Sopranos. <laughs> I never watched it. I never saw it. Welcome to the uh, party. <laughs> yeah, thank you. James Gandolfini is life-changing. Uh, everyone already knew that. Say something more interesting, Emma. <laughs> you must have been pretty young when it came out initially, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I never thought I'd get round to it. And then um, then there was a pandemic and uh, I suddenly had a lot of time. So uh, I May Destroy You, my word. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's without a doubt up there with the best television I've ever seen in my life. And what an exquisite drawing of what it's like to live in London as a young person. Yeah. I mean, everything was brilliant, but I've really never seen that so well drawn out. The rhythm of it, the dichotomy when you're like a young professional, quote unquote, where you go out and try to be seen as someone kind of young and successful. And then you go home to your very cramped, flat or house with 10 other people living in it and the weirdness of trying to be professional sat on your bed because you don't have a desk and there's no living space like the weirdness of that I'd never seen that so well put on screen before it's true we haven't seen it much have we yeah no. although I'm slightly thinking of spaced again coming back to that there was a little bit yes. of that in that but yeah yes you're absolutely right very different but did you see the documentary for Sama no I didn't it's on my list though Absolutely amazing. And I've just been watching today a documentary called Love Child from the same distributors. It's about a refugee couple fleeing Iran with their child. It's mm -hmm. absolutely, that is a very powerful watch. And like Forsama, incredibly moving and inspiring. So Love Child, that's my tip. Brilliant. Emma, it's been so lovely to speak to you. Thanks for joining us to talk about Truth Seekers and other fun stuff. Anything you would like to leave the listeners with? Gosh, just, you know, stay safe out there, wear your masks. <laughs> and... um Pay good attention to autumn because it's a great season. Excellent. Thank you so much for being a girl on film. Thanks, Emma. Take care. Cheers, Anna. We're on the cusp of something. The Russians, the Chinese, they're watching me. There's a storm coming. Talk about 
ghost, baby. I'm not scared anymore. Truth Seekers is on Prime Video now. Thanks to our intern, Eliana Jay, to our executive producer, Heather Archbold, our producer, Jane Long, assistant producer, Heather Dempsey, and our partners for this episode, Amazon Prime Video. Do follow us and message us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find all the details in the episode description. And do sign up to Patreon if you can afford a little bit each month to support us. Go to patreon.com forward slash girls on film podcast do subscribe and review us if you've enjoyed this episode and don't forget to check our special film shows on the bfi youtube channel you've been listening to me anna smith and i was joined by susan wakoma and emma darcy see you soon and stay safe everyone you gotta help me i think i'm being chased by ghosts <laughs>